By no means are we flawless Those are things I would never say There's more hours in my life I wish that you were somewhere far away You spin me insane by the words you use Your constant nagging, your many rules The yin to my yang still Hello, freaks, fairies, and average Joes, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Sam, a.k.a. Henry Pintail, and I am joined by my stunningly handsome co-host, Gibson, a.k.a. Phil Franklin. Hello, all. Welcome, and thank you for joining us tonight. So, um, before we get into this this episode, we have a few things we want to cover. We're going to do some weekly updates. First of all, uh, we lost a legend this week in Stan Lee. Um, Let us all take a moment to just silently reflect on the impact this man has had on not just pop culture here in America, but just on culture all over the world. I agree. Um, Some of his stuff has been, some if not all of his stuff has been absolutely influential, even if it's not me personally. (laughs) Okay, another weekly update we'd like to bring up are the election results. So um, this like past week we had a huge election uh, that I participated in. I know Gibson did as well. I hope all of you voiced your opinion and flexed on your civil right to go voting. And I think that that's a big thing that this generation's getting into now that's really, really good. I think it's something that we need to do. Um, so I hope that you guys went out and voted. Big election in Colorado. We elected the first gay governor that this country's ever seen, openly gay governor this country's ever seen, which is a huge thing for gay rights, LGBTQ community, and whether or not you support that or not, um, I think it's worth mentioning that that's a pretty big accomplishment. Yeah, it's always worth mentioning when some drastic change that has been present in our government for the last, oh, I don't know, almost yeah, it's going like a 170 years. Oh, yeah. it's It's been a long time since we've seen something like this, other than like when we elected Obama as the pre- first black president. But um, anyway, on the eve of Thanksgiving break... Uh, we are wrapping up all of our weekly work. We've been very busy with what else we're doing right now with our studio work and everything. Yes. Um, but I think Thanksgiving break will be nice, even though it's only a week. We will be back for two weeks afterwards. and so Look forward to our next podcast during that time. Yeah, probably. Um, and our final weekly update would be an account of this month's blockbuster movie, Bohemian Rhapsody, which documents the life and struggle of Queen's Freddie Mercury. Yeah, um, I actually saw this movie recently and really enjoyed it. I highly recommend it to any of you who are interested in like either pop culture or like rock music or Queen or documentaries in general. It's very much like uh, the best thing I can compare it to would be something along the lines of like, um, let's see, like a Les Mis, but not at the same level. Like it's not a musical but it, it sort of has a lot of the same things where it goes into like the, you know, like a Les Mis goes into the French Revolution. This kind of goes into the depths of like Queen and everything. That, so it, and it portrays it a very similar way where you kind of get a, a look at each individual character and the way that they impacted the group. Um, so I think Les Mis probably isn't the best comparison I could make, but like yeah, that, that's but, what came to mind. So, But Queen did have an impact on just as Stan Lee, Queen did have an impact on the rest of the world, and not just how their music changed the music industry. Most, And while while Freddie Mercury does give credit to everyone in the band, Freddie Mercury was the center point of Queen. And oh, his, yeah, for sure. His presence and his romantic life and his struggle with AIDS towards the end of his life just painted this big and better picture of how we see musicians like this. Oh, I agree. 
And actually, you haven't seen the movie, right? You I have not seen, seen the movie, but, I, uh, but I've been obsessed with Freddie Mercury for a long time. Yeah, you definitely and need to go out and see one that. One thing that I think, even if no one chooses to see this movie for whatever reason, I think one thing that's worth noting is that towards the end of his life, Freddie Mercury, after knowing he had AIDS and was still almost dying from it, he still went up on stage and still did a concert for all of his fans just for the sake of the music. And I think that is something that we can't forget about just our modern artists or just any musicians through time. Oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, I think it did a really good job, actually, of accounting for every aspect. But I think Freddie Mercury's life was really sort of portrayed in a light that a lot of us don't get to see or never got to see, rather. Um, you get to see a lot about his personal life. And I don't want to spoil anything because, you know, this movie, everyone needs to see it. You guys should go see it. It's probably in the theaters near you, like, right now. Um, I don't know how long it's going to be there, but I would imagine with how big it is, probably for a while. Um, so, like, over break or whenever you have free time on the weekend, go ahead and see this movie. I recommend it. Um, I think it's definitely in contention for winning a couple Oscars. Um, I don't know which ones in particular, but I think there's definitely a chance that it wins something this year. So I'll look forward to seeing that. Um, but, yeah, I highly recommend this movie. So if you haven't seen it, go ahead and go watch that. And now um, on to our main point of today's podcast. Yeah, all of that aside, um, today's podcast really is going to focus around racism in America. And I know this is a very very sensitive topic, but it's something that, as college students, we see a lot. Um, whether it's in society, on campus, uh, with people we've met in, the, in our lives, etc. Um, essentially... I, I, we have a couple things we want to go through, but we're kind of just going to do this on like a conversation basis. Um, the main thing that I wanted to start this off was with was like sort of your opinion on how racism sort of becomes it's it's a thing, you know. Like you think about it, in my opinion at least, prejudice isn't really created, or it's 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 created rather. It is created, and it's not you're not born into prejudice. So essentially, like you don't come out of the womb speaking racism, you know. You come out. And you don't really have an opinion, and it's sort of something you develop over time as you grow up, like, regardless of where you're from, like, it's sort of, like, a regional thing. So, like, and, you know, there's no, there's stereotypes, of course, but I think that's, like, a big thing is, like, when you're raised, born and raised a certain way, that's what you believe, even if it's not. Yes, and uh, I go, piggybacking off that, I generally think of prejudice as something that is handed down from generation to generation without a definable start and while it does wax and wane, it can be traced through decades. So, I mean, if, say, your God knows how many great grandfather came here to America and he, and he came here because he lost his job to certain workers from Europe who stole, his, who stole his money, who stole his life and everything, he carries that racism here to America. And then when he sees, he sees that same demographic who stole his life – then he might pat he would demonstrate that racism and then you and then his son or wife or whatever could see that and then they assume because it's a father figure and I, this is not true for everyone but they make that association that their father is telling the truth about this or he's or his reasoning is grounded mm-hmm. and so whether you express that as vocally as say in this case the grandfather it's still there in your head so it would be so that prejudice could be found at certain points and it only takes one or two moments of genuine prejudice to impact the next generation and then have that in their head and then so on and so on so while it does wax well the amount of prejudice does wax 
could wax and wane with time, I feel it's those small moments that really link the next generation with their beliefs of prejudice. Right, I was going to say, would you then say that it sort of goes back to, like, way even before, like, slaves were being brought over here? Like, would you would you say that it sort of goes back to, like, you know, like, we're talking, like, back when years were in the hundreds, and sort of, like, even if it's not African-American racism, you know, racism in general, do you think it stems back to, like, way before, like, modern man was even considered i unfortunately believe that everyone is everyone is at some point in their lives envious of another now how we choose to demonstrate that is dependent on what type of person we are but i mean even from the earliest accounts of history people were always envious of others yeah. and they even if they were the same color people always found something to make them seem superior or better or make someone else feel worse. And now I don't appreciate this. Don't do not understand me backing this up as my appreciation of it. I hated it as much as you would, but I think it's worth noting that people are always envious, whether it's, whether it's for something as big or sorry, as shallow as the color of their skin or whether how much or how much money they have or who they choose to love is irrelevant so to speak we will always be envious of people for whatever reason we choose to find and if we and while i'm not sure this could ever be fully eradicated if we just lose bits and pieces through time we might ride not the best case without prejudice but a better case with less of it yeah for sure I mean, I think this brings up an interesting perspective because there's a there's a growing idea that it should be common sense to handle racism in a way that's humane, uh, in a way that's like uh, acceptable, acceptable, accepting, uh, in a societal perspective that racism as a whole is something that we've been dealing with for years in this country alone. I mean, you look back, it, there, it by no means is racism as put in the limelight as it was in the 60s and 70s in terms of like what's actually happening but just because times have changed i don't get me wrong it is still very prevalent in society i think there's a lot of evidence to support that whether yes. it's you know the black lives matter movement any of that stuff that I mean, obviously it is still very predominant in society and that's part of the argument i think that you know you would think as a developed nation that we would have gotten past these you know prejudices ages ago because we did address it back in the 60s and 70s and it's it's something that like obviously it's not as bad as it could have as it used to be in terms of like segregation and acceptance but i think on a, a, a larger scale it sort of develops an, into a new wave of racism and prejudice in terms yeah. of like you know there's disrespect for these people um whether they're you know african-american or you know LGBTQ Muslim or, or, or anything native american anything or exactly i think there's definitely prejudice out there for all of it but this i mean we are talking specifically about racism and some of the modern day equivalents at least in my mind to like what we were seeing with like negro versus white like restrooms and like restaurants and facilities and all that that stuff is obviously long gone um even in the south that, that stuff's been gone for ages but i think there's things that have taken place of those prejudices yeah and I, don't, it, I don't know like exactly like where i could where i could put that i mean the the best thing i can think of is like maybe like police violence yeah like as sort of like maybe it's i don't know it's it's gone from more it's gone from less of like a passive aggressive 
racism to more of an aggressive racism if, yes. if i had to summarize it that would be a good way of saying it and i ge- i think it's generally it's like certain cases and in, in this case police brutality and if we choose to stop early on the police brutality we will bring it up later either in this segment or another but i feel like it's the small cases of extreme violence that really galvanize people to protest or galvanize the issue yeah now all issues of police brutality or police prejudice are important but it's the big cases it's the big cases of police brutality that really bring us back into this matter and i respectfully i respectfully don't question the police officers right away because i don't know what the situation right, is. right because at that point you're also prejudicing them you know yeah, you can't but, you can't judge based off of a few events that have happened but you can't yeah. you also can't ignore the fact that things like this do happen yeah you can't ignore the you can't ignore what happens you can't ignore the state or you can say well that amount of violence seems unjust but you're also not there and if any police officers are listening we are not so we don't know what it's like out in the field and we're not defending other police officers doing this amount of brutality but we're just trying to play devil's advocate with them without equally prejudicing them at the same time yeah i would agree i think that um the big construct is that you know the, there are bad cops just like there's bad people in any administration yes that's something that you you can't really avoid and even with a perfect you know democratic society or anything where you're electing officials or people are being appointed for these offices or positions you you can't always avoid the bad people that's still going to happen that's just human nature that's how things work but i i, I will say like i i have respect for the police force and for all of the you know emergency response fields like whether it's police firemen you know emts any of those people like i have mad respect for you guys and it's not we're not saying that like every police officer is a piece of shit because that's not true not at all and so it's like but it's definitely something to look into that there are bad cops and that that's something that should be addressed um so then that brings up the question you know like what are the right steps as a society you know sort of like as a people to like sort of addressing these issues and it's it's kind of a, you know like a, a gray area because everyone believes something different so like sort of uniting on one front to sort of combat racism and prejudice as a whole becomes difficult um, yeah um one thing that one thing that kind of sticks out to me is the mat is the massive um movements or or in some cases riots to protest police brutality and I think they do a good job of bringing these issues to light because you hear them on the new when you hear them on the news it's impossible to avoid them you're seeing this stuff happen the problem is i don't i think they're not super effective now in some cases are different but unless people did these protests every single day it's eventually just going to be moved out of our minds you have i think people need to do just something whether drastic whether one big drastic thing that we will never forget no matter how much time has passed or repetitive little things that happen in the communities or cities or whatever unless you do something like unless you do either of those things one riot isn't going to do the job now i am not i'm not asking people to go on riots every single day yeah we're not asking you guys to go out on the streets every day and riot against racism that's definitely not what we're saying i'm saying that if you i'm saying that if you do want to make a serious impact or confront this issue as much as you can you need to not just focus on one big event you have to try you have to 
do something over time or do do something over time that we will never forget that's always going to remind us about this right it, it definitely when addressing issues like this the old capstone idea of like actions speak louder than words is pretty much predominant and i think that we've experienced that even in the last like five years um i'm from st louis so i i experienced ferguson on like sort of like a first-hand level like i wasn't there protesting and i wasn't involved in any of the protests but being so close in that municipality i mean my my, my family is from that area so like it's not anything that i was immune to and it's kind of strange looking at it because you know you look at how big of a national and even international issue that brought about and just being in that situation it, it sort of gives a different outlook and i'm not saying that i was involved in any of that because i wasn't but um just being in close proximity to something like that like it shows how big of an impact those actions had on the situation now whether or not you agree with how they address those issues is another thing and that's something that you know I don't, I don't get into most of the time but i think that you can't deny the fact that what they did had an impact on the current situation that we're dealing with in terms of, you know, looking at it, bringing it into the limelight, sort of starting this movement to sort of addressing these issues. Like it, it, it was one small action for a, a small period of time that, that is now having sort of like a butterfly ripple effect that we're starting to see more in like modern day society. And people are like taking steps now because of that. So I think that's definitely something you can look at as sort of saying, you know, actions speak louder than words. And I think there's other ways about, you know, there's other ways to go about handling that kind of thing and, and doing actions peacefully or like, even if it's not a protest, you know, like talking to your representatives about it or like addressing the issue with friends and family and just talking. The, the main thing, you need to talk about it. You need to be proactive about it and you need to make it some sort of an impact, whether it's, you know, like doing something where you're just discussing with friends or starting an organization or joining an organization. I, uh, one other point that I'd like to bring up and for those sci-fi fans in the sci-fi fans listening, I am one who are like me. I recently watched this, um, this video from the BBC America's doctor who, where they travel back in time to see Rosa Parks and make sure that her protest does happen. And even if you are not a sci-fi fan, I highly recommend you look, go online and look up this clip because it definitely portrays just how this one decision impacted all of America. And not just America, pretty much the entire world. Right, for, it's a new perspective. Yeah, because, all she, because she suffered. She suffered so much throughout her life before and after she did that. And she did, and she did, all she did was refuse to get up. She sat in a spot that she was allowed to sit in before, and when she was asked to move, she refused. It was that easy. And she simply said no. She simply said right. no, and that, and that was it. And that one decision, within a year of that happening, there were massive protests on the Montgomery bus lines, and pretty soon, and within, I believe, two years or two or three years, it, segregation was officially outlawed. So whether you choose to go through a violent action to draw attention or a peaceful one just remember that you know one decision like this was so big that it changed almost changed everything for that whole world that world that she inhabited it, yeah it reinforces my idea that your voice does matter and and a lot of people especially within our generation are very discouraged when looking at either election results or like how their roles in society play out that they feel as though they don't their their voice doesn't matter 
And that's something that, you know, society plays a role in. But I think this idea, and you're looking back into the 60s with Rosa Parks, her one action sparked a revolution. So with the, with the idea that that is possible, just remember that what you do and your actions do have an impact, whether it's on someone or something, um, whatever you believe in, you know, don't be afraid to sort of, I guess what I'm saying is like, don't be afraid to announce that. Don't be afraid to like believe in what you believe in. Don't be afraid to have opinions and don't feel like those opinions don't matter or don't count because they definitely do. And I think we're starting to see that a lot more. The yeah. people in our generation specifically are sort of getting to a point where they're like, you know, I'm fed up with sitting and standing by the wayside and not acting upon things that, that hack me off or, or that I feel I need to address. And so that's that's a big thing. I just think it's something that everyone should look into. This applies yes. to life in general. Yes. Um, also going off that, one thing I like to add is that if you that if you choose to protest this or to make a stand on this or make a belief about this, I cannot stress this enough. Be educated. Yeah. People will people will attack your standings. People will attack your claims, whether they think it's wrong or they think that it's untruthful know your facts, know what you're protesting, know why you're protesting it, and be willing to back up your claims or your evi- or your facts with evidence. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I guess you sort of look at this and you're thinking, you know, obviously there are steps that can be taken, and it's sort of like this, this big idea of racism and like solving the race crisis and all of this. It's like sort of is it possible to get through it and see the other side? Like, is it possible to get through this mass racism and sort of come together as a nation and, an, and as a world to sort of accepting everyone? And, you know, obviously there's still going to be people that are never going to change the way they live. That's just how they are. But, you know, getting to a point where the majority of everything is accepted and that it's not like, I guess, is that possible? Yeah, I I like to believe it is possible. I am not going to deny that there will always be the outliers yeah. of the group who always believe that they believe something contrary to the actual evidence. Nor will I deny that there will always be some accounts of prejudice, whether expressed or whether internal. But I feel, by and large, we have made great strides to remove prejudice from our public lives and again which is what matters yeah which is what truly matters if you choose to be if you choose to be an idiot and a jerk and judge people by how they look or who they love you know be kind to all of us and leave that and leave that with yourself take that to your grave don't destroy everyone else's lives just because you don't believe in something else and i definitely think that through not just on our not just in our country but i feel like generally throughout the world people countries and people have made strides that i'm not saying it's perfect everywhere right for everyone but i will i do think that because of our interlinked global civilization people everywhere will hear people everywhere hear stories about freedom or people who protest against their governments because they just want to get married or people Mm -hmm. who just want a right to vote and I feel like just th- I feel like just that can really just change the tide of everything. Yeah, we don't even realize how privileged we are in the U.S. because we have the right to vote and we have the right to say what we want to say and believe what we want to believe. There's a lot of countries where you know a simple vote isn't even something you are deemed as a citizen. You yeah, know, that's not even a right, and that's something that 
is warranting more discussion, you know, like in its own, either if it's the podcast or some discussion, I think it's kind of crazy to me to wrap my head around how some of these countries, not even just third world countries, but when you look at countries like, you know, um, Russia, Europe, some of the countries in Europe, I mean, like, I do not mean that Europe's a country that was, anyway, that was like, incorrect. there's, there's definitely countries where it's like, you don't have as big of a voice as we do in the U.S., where we can literally say, you know, we want this person to govern our society, and that's just something that baffles me, but, um, so leading into this next discussion, then, is like, you know, obviously, there is a possibility of reaching an agreement sort of across human civilization as you know accepting racism and not being so prejudiced but like how soon can that really happen and is it possible to make strides in this current situation that our country and planet are in in terms of addressing other issues like what issues are more predominant at this point that would sort of you know uh thwart the progression of that idea mm -hmm. i mean i just I, I mean, I generally agree with my co-host here. I'm always, I'm always the optimist. I always hope that things are going to get better, and I that's as well. The, that's the way I generally look at things, and I acknowledge how bad the world is on a big scale. But I feel for, I feel like it really, the way you, we see the world depends on just how we want to see it, and I feel like if we want, if we're united under a vision of trying to remove prejudice acceptance whether, like a vision of acceptance. yeah except vision of acceptance and it's counter moving removing prejudice from the world that even just small bits even if you just choose to have that chip vision, away at it yeah if you have that vision of acceptance mm -hmm. you might not be able to break off a big chunk of the prejudice but even just a tiny little scratch and if enough people do that eventually the whole thing collapses yeah there's definitely people that'll argue you know with our current establishment we aren't able to make any progress towards this sort of thing because we just don't have our heads in the right place and to an extent i i agree with that yeah because i do think that there are politicians that don't really have their head in the right place in terms of addressing issues that really need to be addressed rather than you know focusing on whatever else needs to be focused on um but I do agree with you that I think there's definitely always a chance to take progressive progressive steps towards addressing this issue. Yeah. Um, what's interesting is that after, if this was a couple months ago now, I think it was after, um, it was either one of the school shootings or it was one of the white supremacist rally. I think it was after they tore the Robert E. Lee Memorial down yes. in the South and they had those like white supremacists that came out and were like causing a lot of issues. There was a video that resurfaced actually that was from the 40s and i can't remember what it was called but uh it, it, it was it was done by the war department of the united states and it was basically addressing the whole issue of racism back in that day so that's show, showing you then but it resurfaced and why it gained so much ground when it resurfaced because it, it was on like twitter and like it was like everywhere it gained so much ground because it was still so true and still relevant yeah. to today's current society which blows my mind to think that you know, it hasn't been that long since World War II in it the really grand hasn't. scheme of things. But the fact that 70 years have gone by and that video is still relevant says a lot about the current racist situation and prejudice situation that we're in. Yeah. Um, there was another thing that I wanted – there was another thing I wanted to bring up when you brought up Robert E. Lee was – it was during the – he had a famous quote that um, escapes me – that escapes me at the moment. But he – 
he said that he was against the against the uh, raising of statues that commemorated the bad guys of war. He thought we should not keep open the sores of war by allowing these monuments to remain open and standing. Interesting. So I general so whether so even though he was view, even though he's viewed now as the enemy of America, when we pro, when we when we have statues like this commemorating these soldiers who fought on what is now what is now nationally accepted as the bad guys i find it's just paradoxical that we should protest them coming down when as sorry we protested his statue coming down when he would alone said that he would not want to have this up and yeah i, I didn't know, even hear about that that's interesting i know that some people want to say we can't remove his we can't remove we can't just block out this bad point in america and they are completely right but i don't but statues like these that are displayed in capitals and big grounds are open to the public they're not they're just commemorating they're There's, showing they're commemorative symbols they're, they're not com yeah the commemorative you know. symbols they're not testimonies to our history those will those are in museums that's where people go to see the bad and the good sides of America. They oh, go yeah. there to see go to the, the glories and tragedies. You see that kind of stuff. When you put a statue commemorating this up in a park where kids are going to be, they're going to assume that this person is not necessarily a hero, but they're going to associate this feeling of grandeur with them. And whether whether or not they were great generals or great soldiers, we can't we can't put aside the fact that they were on in this case in regards to the confederacy on the side of recognized slavery which is mentioned in multiple state constitutions during the revolution during the civil war yeah and so that sort of relates back to like how society plays a role in the entire situation you know like society's outlook on racism is what's going to drive the majority of the population's beliefs and so you, you run to reflect on how society alone impacts the views of, you know, whether it's those that are not in favor of doing that sort of thing or those that are sort of like reliving those days like back then. So you look at that and you think, you know, hey, when you address it as a society, you address the situation almost directly because yes. everyone that's involved in the society has a say and sort of a belief that goes along with that. Yes. So that's an interesting concept. There's a, a movie that's out right now, actually. It technically was released a few months ago yeah. as of this as of this recording. I think it's still playing in theaters right now, but it, it addresses a lot of what we've been talking about for the last, I don't even know how many minutes it's been, because the audio on here is saying that it's 10 minutes, but it's definitely been longer than 10 minutes. So The movie was called The Hate You Give, yeah. which, dealt with which dealt with a specific account of police brutality against an African-American teenager, and... While neither of us have seen the movie, that is also a book, and is also a book that we look, that we researched, and it generally dealt with this one woman, this one girl named Star, two R's, who was raised in a black, was yeah, raised in a loving black community, and and but she also attended a very prominent prep prep school that was favored by a that was had a majority of white students. And one night, her and her friend Khalil, they were driving, and Khalil was pulled over to the side of the road, 
and Khalil took something out of his car, just a toy or something. Toy or something. It was something. a brush. I, in the it movie, was a like... brush. I apologize for that. It was a brush. And the police officer, thinking that it was a gun, instantly shot him. And again, we don't. Again, neither of us have seen the movie, but yeah, I we feel can't like speak on. We like can't it's speak for the content or the accuracy that. or anything. Please, if you do want to learn more about it, read the book and or watch the movie. We just think it's a good point to bring this up if you are interested in learning about yeah, just true. these degrees of of selective of selective accounts of racism against African Americans. And if you do watch this or read the book, uh, we'd be interested in seeing your feedback on it because uh, I haven't quite decided if I want to see it myself or if I want to read it myself. So. If any of you have seen it or are going to see it or plan on reading it at some point, let us know what you think and sort of do your research. Let us know if it's accurate because I'd definitely be interested in looking into it. Yeah. Um, so then I want to leave you guys with this. Um, and we're actually um, before we yeah, go before ahead. we finish this up, I one of my personal heroes was Carl Sagan, which was this incredible science educator who both created a show to educate the masses called Cosmos. And worked on oh, numerous probe that. landings for on multiple planets over the years. And one thing that was famous was that he asked was that he asked for the Voyager probe, and thing that has reached farther than anyone else, to move out to turn the camera around to get one last look at Earth before it left the solar system. And by complete accident, there was a just a stray beam of light that ran across the camera and highlighted the earth as one pixel this was one pixel of earth that was just randomly caught in this stray sunbeam and he wrote this not a poem he wrote the story that went along with it and i'd like to read you just two pieces of it and please look into this because it is truly humbling here it goes look again at that dot that's here that's home that's us on it, everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you've ever heard of, every human being who ever was, lived out their lives. The aggregate of our joy and suffering, thousands of confident religions, ideologies, and economic doctrines, every hunter, forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilization, every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every mother and father, hopeful child, inventor and explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every supreme leader, every saint and sinner in the history of our species live there on a mote of dust suspended in a sunbeam. The earth is a very small stage in a vast cosmic arena. Think of the rivers of blood spilled by all those generals and emperors so that in glory and triumph they could become the momentary masters of a fraction of a dot. Think of the endless cruelties visited by the inhabitants of one corner of this pixel on the scarcely distinguishable inhabitants of some other corner. How frequent this, their misunderstandings, how eager they are to kill another, how fervent their hatreds. Now, the poem does go on to mention other good points of, hum, of humanity and this dot we call home. But I think it's just, that is a truly humbling thing. Every war, every misunderstanding, every prejudice, all this stuff happened on this tiny little dot, on this fraction of a dot that's suspended in complete space. And whether or not you believe we're, gonna, we're staying on this planet or not, or we're going out to the stars, this is our home 
for right now. We're not weaving, we're not getting away from each other. There's nowhere you can hide from all this stuff. And whether, and I think that we have to remember, we're, we're all earthlings. Everyone you've ever known or heard of or will hear of in the near future was on this planet. And that makes, and that makes us all together in a sense. We're all, I hate saying it, we're all in this together. So we're all in this together for all you High School Musical fans. <laughs> and I think yeah. that we have to remember that these differences, these petty, insignificant differences have led to so much atrocities on the, just for the sake of a fraction of a dot. Yeah. Just use this phrase, just use this poem by Carl Sagan, just when think, just to humble yourselves in when thinking about the matters of yourself and how those relate to others. Yeah, Anything that's... to add, Sam? No, that's that's good. I think that that leaves you with a very sort of uh, predominant idea that you know, regardless of where you're from, or you know what you look like, there's so much room for hate in this world, and you know that's something that as a population and as a civilization we have to deal with. But you also have to remember that there is also room for love, support, and you know just overall appreciation for each other and the people that we interact with in our daily lives and so i think that it it begs questioning if all of this is worth it in terms of you know whether you're a racist or you're a sex offender or anything whether it's all worth it in the end and really if like it's it's petty when you look at the grand scheme of things and that poem sums that up pretty well um so one last thing before we close um, I've started an organization that uh, hasn't really taken ground yet because I literally started it today, but um, I'm calling it the activist generation. And most of this is dependent on the fact that, or it's dependent on getting members to join and sort of support my ideas. Um, but I'm going to sort of give myself a little bit of an ad here because I think that this is something that I've, I'm really passionate about and would love to see my friends and fellow colleagues get involved in. The whole purpose of the activist generation is to, I have two pages on Facebook at the moment. One is for uh, CSU students because I, I plan on starting an organization here on campus for it. Um, and then also one is for my friends, family, and whoever else wants to join. Um, and the, the idea behind it is allowing people to join together as a, as a group and address societal issues that we face today, the, press, the most pressing of those issues, and have sort of like an open forum and an outlet to discuss those things and, and sort of creating an organization in a group that allows you to do that. Um, and then with that, the power of that group, being able to actually vocalize those opinions in a way that'll be heard a lot easier than if you're doing it yourself. So that's just a little note. If you're interested, um, I'll probably leave a link on whether I'm posting this on Instagram, YouTube or both or something. I will probably leave a link to the page down there if you're interested in joining. And if not, uh, you know, that's good too, but I wanted to make that point. Um, before we leave, I want to leave you guys with this quote from Gandhi, because I think it sums up a lot of what we've talked about tonight. Um, and that is, a man is but a product of his thoughts and what he thinks he becomes. Um, so when you sort of chew on that a bit, you realize that, you know, you're a product of what you think and believe. Um, and there's always room to sort of adjust those based off of... There's always room to grow, reshape, renew, and change yourself. Yeah. No matter what you've done, there's always a chance to turn it around or make the world a better place. Yeah, I agree. And on that note, we'd like to leave you. These have been your great hosts. Yeah, it's uh, Sam, a.k.a. Henry Pintail. And this is Gibson, a.k.a. Philip Franklin.
This has been the Room 413 podcast featuring the LA boys. And um, have a good night. Have a good night, and we'll see you in the next podcast. Rather be the hunter than the prey. And you're standing on the edge, face up, cause you're a Happening, looking through the glass, find the wrong within the past.